This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3065, for Friday, the 1st of May 2020. Today's show is entitled The Case for the Unattributed Message, and is part of the series Social Media. It is hosted by Ahuka and is about 16 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is anonymity can cause problems, trolls, but also can be necessary. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, this is Ahuka welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode uh, in our ongoing series about the Activity Pub Conference of 2019. And I want to tell you a little bit about a talk called The Case for the Unattributed Message. Uh, this is a talk by Caleb James Delisle, uh, and you can get a link to it from the show notes. <clears throat> So, unattributed messages. He starts off by noting that his topic is a bit provocative and by design. As Frank Zappa once said, without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. And Caleb is clearly in that camp. As he says, to find something no one else is studying, just look for something everyone else finds repulsive. Well, a provocative start, certainly. Now, he starts by looking at free speech as enshrined in the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and notes that it has become something a lot of people like. But then he he talks about uh, 8chan and how the person who created it now thinks it should be shut down since it does no one any good and, in his view, is even a complete negative to the users there, though he says they don't know it. Interesting point of view, I guess. Now, there have been many experiments in the realm of free speech on the Internet. Um, So this is not anything that is new to us. Uh, IRC was originally one single network, but then got into trouble when some users set up servers to sabotage other users or servers. Um, This led to a splinter called the Eris Free Network, now, Eris, in case you weren't up on your Greek gods, uh, is the goddess of discord and strife. Um, and <clears throat> so the Eris Free Network would be a network free of discord and strife, presumably. And then the remaining part of IRC became ANET, the Anarchy Network which actually didn't last all that long. Um, Then the Eris Free Network split into American and European networks. 
Um, and the finally an open source group split off to form Freenode, which is the one that I am most used to using. And one constant through all of this was attacks against servers and users. Um, and there were, you know, peer-to-peer stuff, Napster and Nutella, for instance, which eventually gave way to the relatively more centralized BitTorrent. All of them, of course, are attacked by the people who claim their rights of intellectual property are being violated. Uh, Freenet is a peer-to-peer platform for communication that resists censorship, promotes free speech, and provides strong anonymity protection. And I've got a link in the show. There's a number of links in the show notes, uh, quite a few of them for this particular episode, because a lot of things get mentioned. Um, then there's I2P Cindy, uh, which is a tool for anonymous communication on cross-platform distributed forums, and something called ZeroNet a decentralized network of peer-to-peer users that utilizes Bitcoin addresses instead of IP addresses. So Caleb then brings in the concept of what he calls pseudo-anonymity, which can happen when your precise identity is not known, but you have a reputation. Uh, The thing that came to my mind was... uh, you know, back when Silk Road was a big thing and, and there was the dread pirate Robert. Now, the problem is if your precise identity is not known, you can be impersonated. Um, but, um, you know, there, there are certainly anonymous people who have something of a reputation on the Internet. Um, another example, he says that cryptocurrencies can be pseudo-anonymous as well. Um, Now, the thing about pseudo-anonymity is that one breach basically wrecks the whole thing. Uh, If your real name is linked to the pseudo-anonymous identity you've created, it is kind of game over. Um, And that's why a lot of cases, people very energetically are trying to pierce that veil and figure out who these people are. Caleb then brings up the unattributed message. And he says that's not quite the same as anonymity. It's not quite, it, it's not quite free speech the way we normally think about it, but he thinks it has an important role to play. So what defines an unattributed message? Well, first, the message is divorced from the identity and ego of the sender. Um, we don't know who it is, and um, there, there, it is not, uh, because it's unattributed, it's not the same as, uh, well, say, Dread Pirate Robert or whatever. I mean, there, there's no pseudonym uh, attached to it. It is literally unattributed. So there, there is no way of knowing who sent it or building a reputation or any of that stuff. Uh, there's no follower count, no personal gain from boosts or retweets. Um, now, you have to be careful about that. Uh, 
no personal gain because there's no person associated with it. However, uh, things like propaganda, uh, it can be very useful. And I think we've seen a lot of that recently in, uh, you know, the Brexit situation in the UK and the election of 2016 in the United States, where uh, a lot of unattributed messages or pseudo-anonymous messages were floating around. And, um, you know, in a case like that, uh, as long as other people pick it up and amplify it, your objective is served. Um, okay, a unattributed message has no personal brand associated with it. Um, and so there's no audience expectations. Um, you, know, you, can, you can say something and no one is going to say, oh, that's so unlike you. <laughs> they have no idea what you're like. There's no personality associated with it. Uh, another thing that uh, unattributed messages allow for is something called strong opinions weakly held. Uh, now, this is a framework created by uh, a reasonably well-known futurist named Paul Sappho. And he describes this as allow your intuition to guide you to a conclusion, no matter how imperfect. This is the strong opinion part. Then, and this is the weekly held part, prove yourself wrong. Engage in creative doubt. Look for information that doesn't fit or indicators that are pointing in an entirely different direction. Eventually, your intuition will kick in and a new hypothesis will emerge out of the rubble, ready to be ruthlessly torn apart once again. You will be surprised by how quickly the sequence of faulty forecasts will deliver you to a useful result. Well, this is a guy who makes a living out of forecasting uh, the future and seems to be doing fairly well at it. So uh, it's an interesting approach. Now, in many ways, this is easier to do when your identity is not connected in any way. So you can make a claim and then... If the claim is dis, you know, disproved, you can drop it, and it, it, you're not going to have people um, charging you with changing your mind like that's some sort of terrible thing. Um, I, it, particularly in politics, I, something that just drives me crazy. Um, it certainly happens in the United States. I assume it happens in lots of other places as well. That you know, if you change your mind about something. The, the your enemies will say you're a flip flopper and you you know you lack convictions and, and stuff like that, um, which is stupid because if you get new information, shouldn't you change your opinion? Um, that that's called intelligent thinking. Ah, so as as you can tell, it does drive me kind of nuts, um, and. You know, I remember once The Economist, uh, John Maynard Keynes, was accused of, of that and said, Sir, when I get new information, I change my mind. What do you do with new information? Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, when the identity is removed, the meme, the thought expressed, is what becomes the center stage. 
So you can focus on the idea and not the person presenting it. Now, it's not all rainbows and unicorns here. Consider where do memes come from. Um, now, most of them come from message boards, and frequently the original poster is someone either unknown, or at least they're unknown to most of us. We just sort of pick up on it at some point. Uh, a good example is Rick Rolling. I don't know who decided that tricking people into clicking on a video of Rick Astley singing, I'm never going to give you up, uh, was a great idea, but we've done it. Uh, we've all done it at some point, right? Uh, there's problems, of course. We, the, the propaganda thing. We know that Russia is very busy using these techniques to influence voters in various places and try and create chaos. Um, and furthermore, these attacks can be amplified by using bots. There is also a moderation problem. Does the community have a consensus view on what is acceptable speech? Uh, too little, and you start encouraging bullies, but too much, and you start encouraging what he terms false grievances. Um, and uh, I think we've seen examples of that as well, that you know, people who just attack anyone who says anything... Um, and it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Now, Caleb argues that federation as practiced by the Fediverse is the best answer to the moderation program. Uh, as we've discussed before, every instance has its own policy. Uh, we discussed this originally looking at Mastodon um, and took a look at some detail as to uh, what some of those policies are. You join one that matches your choices in the matter. And uh, this becomes a kind of a self-regulating kind of thing. Instances which are too open and just allow anything to happen end up getting blocked. Now, I mean, they can still stay in their own little sandbox, but other instances are going to decide, eh, we don't need to um, see your stuff anymore. Now, on the other hand, if you've got a extremely restrictive um, set of policies as to what you will allow, you end up, in essence, isolating yourself because you'll block everyone else out there. So it's a, in essence, what we have here is a market for moderation where each individual can make their own choice among the options available. Um, and so Caleb pr proposes a model for what he calls Fetichan. <laughs> Interesting name. Uh, in this model, messages can be unattributed. That is to say, they would show their instance of origin in a per-user-per-thread temporary identity. Um, abuse reports work as normal. The moderator of the instance on which this message originated can see the account which sent the message and ban it if need be. 
So it's not 100% anonymous. The moderator knows who sent it. Okay? Um, if that message violates the policies of that instance, that, you know, then it's up to the moderator. Do you give them, you know, a warning and then a banishment or, you know, however you your policy specify you're going to handle it? And then he also suggests that uh, there be a provision in the uh, protocol for hidden hashtags that would allow messages to be categorized into boards. Um, and so, you know, this touches on, you know, we talked about some of the hashtag issues in a uh, previous uh, program. And, um, you know, subscribing to hashtags is one way to participate in, in discussions that might be of interest to you. And so the, the wrinkle here is that they might be hidden in some way. Now, I, I don't quite know how hidden. Um, presumably, they have to be in the message somewhere for software to work on it, but um, it's an interesting approach. So anyway, this, is, uh, this has been the, the case for the unattributed message, and this is a hookah for Hacker Public Radio signing off and reminding you, as always, to support free software. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.